Good evening, everyone. I want to begin by asking you all, what is good? Was the meal you had for breakfast this morning good? Was the outfit you chose to wear to school or to college today good? Was your behavior today good? Is the car you drive good? Was the weather today good? Is the way you speak to your husband good? Am I good? What about the person sitting next to you? Are they good? What about you? Are you good? What is good? What does that mean? Is anybody good? And why on earth do we say that it is good that Jesus Christ died on the cross? What you think is good is important. And whether you think you are good is important. But what you think about Jesus' death on the cross is the most important thing. Well, this is what I want us to consider tonight. We're going to be looking at the text that Laura read for us from Mark 15. It's there on pages 9 and 10 of your bulletin or in your Bible if you have it with you. As we think about this Good Friday, I want you to leave thinking about the fact that King Jesus did not deserve to die, but he did have to die. This is the main point for our time together. King Jesus did not deserve to die, But he did have to die. We come to this part of the Bible tonight that we heard, having seen how the Old Testament, that's the the really early part of the Bible, the oldest part, all points to Jesus. We heard those in our readings. He is the one who is forsaken. The one who who we read as abandoned in Psalm 22. It is he that's encircled by those like savage dogs. It is he who we will see has his hands and his feet pierced, whose garments the lots are all cast for. It's also he that we saw in Isaiah 53 that Micah read is despised and rejected. He is the man of sorrows. And we're about to see why. Friends, here tonight, listen, it is he and he alone who has carried your griefs and borne your sorrows. He alone that is stricken, smitten, and afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, all of our wrongdoings, all of our sin. We're about to see how he was crushed for our iniquities. That is ours, yours, and mine, our gross and unjust behavior. He had done no violence, no wrong, yet he willingly, here we're about to see, goes to the cross because it is the will of God, part of God's plan, that our guilt and our shame, it has a price. There must be blood. Someone has to pay and someone has paid. It is Jesus Christ. With all these prophecies behind our text this evening, I hope 
you, be, you can begin to see that Jesus' death on the cross is all part of God's perfect plan and forms not just the very center of the Bible, but it's the very center point of history. It feels awkward. I think you'll agree to call it Good Friday. Jesus bled and Jesus died. But I hope you will leave tonight seeing that it had to happen. That sadly our our sin has to be dealt with. That there has to be a punishment. And that Jesus willingly went for me and for you. And that what Jesus did is the most perfect good. Jesus died for you and me is just incredible. This truly is Good Friday. I honestly, I don't know much about you all, some of you, even why you may have come this evening. Perhaps you just came across the service online. Perhaps you were invited. Perhaps you were dragged here by your parents. I also don't know what lots of you might think about the Bible or about Jesus. But tonight, friends, we come to remember, we come to examine. And for Christians, we're celebrating this real event of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. This is, this is well documented by both Christian and non-Christian historians. At the time that the Bible was written, this was the most documented event of really anything that had ever happened. There is more written evidence for Jesus Christ than there is Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar. And as we come to this well-known story, I want us to not forget the brutality and the reality of the cross. This cruel and really frankly disgusting Roman punishment designed to punish and torture the very worst of offenders. Something that really you and I all deserve. But not Jesus. Certainly not Jesus. I hope you'll come to see that this is truly shocking. As we look at Mark 15 and our verses for tonight, Jesus at this point in our text has barely slept. Having been arrested the night before, he's been at councils and generally just dragged around town. The Jesus we see here on the road needing help to carry the cross would have been bloodied and beaten, fresh from the cell where he'd been kept, straight from his mock coronation where his head was beaten, his back stripped and whipped. Then a purple robe laid across his mangled skin. And a cruel, twisted crown of thorns pressed deep into the flesh of his brow. As we just sang and Benny explained, his visage, his face would have been tired and beaten. The full weight of what was happening now written across it, he knew and he understood why he had to die, why we must not miss how hard it would have been. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Those things we can't separate. He was not two people. What we are seeing is God in the flesh, in person, And the crowds did not realize that he really is the king. 
He had a purple robe. He wears a crown and the sign above his head reads, the king of the Jews. You see that there in our text. But he really is the king. He is the king of kings. The irony, almost too hard to bear as we read on. The people are spitting and striking when they should have been weeping and worshipping. This is the king. This is Jesus as he now heads towards the cross. And we see a man called Simon is called to help carry the cross. As he moves through the city in this cruel coronation, we read that the true king is offered a common pain relief drink. And he denies it. Jesus is fully aware of what is happening and he wants to remain so. He does not want to to drift through and, and to dull this moment in any way, but to be fully aware of all that is about to happen, including this amazing situation with the two thieves. His mission is clear here. His course is set and it must be fulfilled. Then we see he eventually reaches the hill where he knows he will die. Text shows us the, the sky is now growing dark. All of nature mourning this event. The soldiers quietly and cruelly lay the cross on the floor. The beaten and bloodied king of kings is stripped further. Purple robe and other clothing pulled from his bleeding back and thrown to one side. Onlookers were all were already rolling dice, seeing who would take those clothes home. Prophecy after prophecy being ticked off. It was at this point that the real cruelty began. His body now lay flat on the wood, held in place by a metal spike through each hand and through his feet. Friends, there could be little pain like it in the entire world. The cross is then slowly raised into position, probably just a few feet off the ground, and immediately the torture could be heard by the crowd. The struggle for Jesus and the other men, either to be hung by their hands or to push against the spike through their feet to be able to take a breath. The mocking and the laughing begins. The talk of how long will he last? Or who does he think he is? Loud enough for all to hear. There is Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, stood between two criminals hanging on a tree. You see, even as we, as even, even as we read tonight, Jesus' death is promised. Jesus' death is not an accident. Jesus' death has to happen. But why? Well, sadly, this is because of you and it's because of me. You see, God had created a perfect world beginning in the garden. And it was there that Adam and Eve turned from God and rebelled against him. It is here that sin, that's all the bad and the the wrong thoughts and things that we all do. They entered this perfect world. And now we do the same things as we Me and you are from Adam and Eve. God, he is holy and perfect. And so these wrong things, this sin must be punished. 
So this is why we see each of us deserves a punishment. Every one of us. We all know that none of us are perfect. You only have to think about this day that you've had, the thoughts you've had, the things you've said, the ways you've behaved. We have each rejected him. In our text, we see it is the crowd calling him cruel names. It's the crowd that are are calling for him to save himself. It's the crowd calling out and mocking. That is me, and friends, that is you. But God, but God wanted us to be reconciled to him, brought into good relationship with him, and so he had to punish our sin. He had to do it. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, dying on a cross where he took our punishment, our sin, and our shame. Friends, we cannot save ourselves. It is your sin that held Jesus on the cross. We can't forget this. It was your sin that drove those nails into his hands and his feet. It is your sin that caused him to be despised and beaten and rejected. And why, as we see, he dies. The hard part for us in this celebration of the cross is that it had to happen at all. This was not good. Friends, our sin is not good. You are not good. This is why Jesus, the King of kings, God in flesh, had to die on the cross, but he did not deserve to do so. Because of the sin of one man, Adam, in his rebellion, that led to us all being in rebellion to God. There had to be one that came and paid the price so that many sinners would be reconciled to God. Jesus could have come down off the cross that night. He could have ended the whole thing there and then with just one word. But he chose to go and he chose to stay and he chose to die all in love for you. Nothing else or nothing ever can compare to this sacrifice. This is perfect love displayed to the whole world. What we see at the cross and in our next verse as Jesus cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is what is good about this Friday. That Jesus, in love, went to the cross doing something that no one else could. There is no other God. There is no other prophet or person or thing or good behavior that can save you. No magical phrase you can whisper. No amount of food you can fast this Ramadan that can save you. It is only through the blood of Jesus being poured out. He was forsaken by God at the cross. The full wrath of God in these hours, in the darkness and in the pain, this was the full wrath and rejection of God being poured out on his son. Friends, he was broken so that you could be brought in. He was rejected so that you could be restored. He was forsaken so that you could be forgiven. It is here at this point in the story that Jesus breathes his last. He cries out and then he dies. 
the silence and the darkness deep and depressing. The crowd in shock, some because of what they heard, some because of what they saw. Who is he? Who was this man? Next we read of this strange and dramatic occurrence straight after the the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And we see an amazing detail from top to bottom. The literal barrier between God and man is torn in two, this symbol of separation now gone and there's so much going on here. Access to God is not limited but open to all who believe, all who trust in Jesus Christ and accept what he has done and recognize their own position before him. Before it was Jews and it was only the priests that could have access to God in this way but now this curtain has been torn from top to bottom. It is God who has done it. God has made a way. It is his his action. This huge, thick curtain, not torn by man from ground to the ceiling, but from God down from the top to the bottom, from the heavens all the way down to earth. He has removed it for his wrath has been satisfied. The great high priest, Jesus Christ, has passed through the veil and has now made the final and ultimate sacrifice. Many are now welcomed in because of one. Jesus' perfect sacrifice has been made. It has been received. It is finished. Friend, like the crowd that night, who do you say he is? Did Jesus really live? Did Jesus really die? The centurion in our text is completely right. Look at what he says. Having witnessed all of this, truly this man was the son of God. Well, what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? No one here is neutral. You can't say you're not sure or you don't know or you just, hey, I don't really want to talk about it. No one is neutral. We are all in need of a savior, friends, but this can only be found in Jesus Christ. We then read about Joseph of Arimathea at the conclusion of the text. He, like you, like each one of us, was searching. He too was seeking for something, for someone. How will you respond to Jesus? There are only two responses. It's either complete rejection or complete devotion. It's clear here how Joseph responds, but what about you? Think about that tonight. What about you? How will you respond to Jesus Christ? In these final verses, we see that there can be no doubt that Jesus had died. He was dead. It was finished. We see that confirmed here in two verses. We see three times confirmed that Jesus died and that he was dead. Even Pilate, the the governor in charge of this whole thing, he's surprised. It was already finished. Jesus is dead. If it wasn't enough for you, we even see Jesus referred to as a corpse. The son of God, having lived a perfect life, laying his life down as a sacrifice and dying this cruel and awful death, 
now a corpse. And then, like the day he was born, wrapped in cloths, far away from the crowds, his full humiliation complete. We should, you must feel the seriousness and the sadness of this, of what Jesus' death meant. Those there that first Good Friday would not know what we now know. They did not know that this death would bring life, that after this darkness, a new dawn would break. They could not comprehend that finished did not mean that the story was over, that it was not over. The king was dead. He did not deserve to die, but he did have to die. He tasted death for you and for me, but death would not hold him. Death's power was at an end. Through his suffering, we, friends, are free. And on the cross began his victory. 